We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Thursday, May 27th, 2021. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to the show, everyone. This is the Pack a Day Podcast, and you can follow us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast, a 365 day a year podcast surrounding the Green Bay Packers, the newest employer of my producer, Kyle Hoffenbecker. Kyle, congratulations on your new job. That is incredible. Packers, you guys made a great hire. Take care of him, he'll do really well. For you, it is Thursday, as it always is. I have my crew back and better than ever with me. I am Jacob Westendorf, and I am joined by a man who needs no introduction. He's got his primal hoodie on today, which is a fighting thing, I think. So I feel like I should be nice <laughs> yeah. to him. No, he can still be ass. mean. Still be mean. <laughs> That's Jimmy Christensen. Jimmy, how are we doing? Good. I bought a I bought a pair of tie dye sandals today, so I am in a very good mood. I got to match the sweatshirt, so. It's an early birthday present for my wife. I got to choose it this year. So I was like, just give me tie dye sandals. I don't have any sandals. I feel like this is a follow up question that's going to sound strange, but I think that people are going to want to know when you say sandals, do you mean like mandals or do you mean like they're like slide ons slide ons? Okay. So that is not my understanding is the definition of mandals are like the what some might call a flip flop. Yeah, so, yeah, I got yeah, I got like kind of okay. like flip flop, kind of like the Birkenstock yeah. style, but not Birkenstocks because they're super expensive. Gotcha. I got I got the knockoffs. There you go. So there's your uh, 
talk in fashion and male footwear um, <laughs> from Jimmy Christen. I'm the worst in the world until very recently. I owned one pair of shoes total. I owned a pair of sneakers and a pair of dress shoes. Now I own a couple yeah. more different pairs of like sneakers, but that's about it when it comes to <laughs> shoes for me. Um, Maggie, when it comes to shoes for you, what's your go-to? I'm a moccasins person. Every year when I go up north, I buy moccasins and I wear them like even in the winter because everyone needs like something you can just slip your feet into. Super I convenient. I can't tell you. I had since becoming a dad, I was told slip on footwear will change your life. And I bought, I don't know what to call them, but they're like these Skechers shoes that just that's what they are is they're just slip on and they're right. It's, it's life changing. It's been, I haven't tied a shoe in probably six months since I bought them. So it's incredible. It's fun. That is not why you guys are here. I'm sure. So we're going to move this topic along. We're here to talk about the green Bay Packers and we're going to talk about some OTAs. There's actual stuff on the field that's happening. And today we heard from the court. Well, today is Wednesday as we record this. So today we hear from the coordinators, um, Joe Barry, Jerry Gray, Maurice Drayton, Nathaniel Hackett, a bunch of guys were in uh, talking about just kind of what's going on with their position group and what we kind of found the most interesting of some of that stuff. And I want to start with a new defensive coordinator, and that's Joe Barry. And we were talking about Matt Schneidman asked him a question about the star role, and he kind of started with, I know you're not going to tell me who's going to start week one in New Orleans, but how do you envision that role playing out? And he and Gray both kind of echoed, and I'm paraphrasing, but the idea that they'll rep, you know, a bunch of guys there, five or six, and then Gray actually said, I believe that their goal is before the season to narrow it down to about one or two guys. But the part that was interesting about that is Barry brought up something about how the Rams kind of used Jalen Ramsey in that role in some certain packages and how he could envision that being something similar for Jair Alexander as he comes into that role this year, uh, not a full-time thing, but something they do in some packages. And that was something that Alexander balked at a little bit last year. He kind of said, no, I don't want to play inside. I like the Island kind of thing, but Maggie, let's start there. You know, my thought has always been, and I view things differently and I'm not a defensive coordinator and thank everybody that I'm not, but you know, take your best player and put them on the other team's best player and run from there. So if the Packers are playing a team whose best player happens to line up inside, is that something you think we could see more of with Kevin King, Josh Jackson, Eric Stokes, uh, undrafted free agent darling to be named later lining up on the outside? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, that star role is really important to the Joe Barry defense. I've heard, I think you even mentioned, you know, Darnell Savage potentially doing that at some point. I know there's a lot of Packers fans that are hyped about Christian Uphoff. To me, he plays a really nice like inside linebacker hybrid. So I think, you know, the idea with the star is, yeah, you put your best defender wherever you need them to be. And we saw, Jair a couple of years ago kind of go toe-to-toe with Noah Fant and just bully him so I don't think you have to worry about the physicality that he would bring to that inside especially when you don't know necessarily what you have in your linebackers we think that Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin can be the guys but you know the Packers are always kind of docked after the draft for not investing in the middle of the defense and one way to invest in the middle of the defense is to put your best defender in kind of that floating position. So, you know, whether it's Kevin King and Eric Stokes on the boundary, you know, for some packages, maybe you slide Eric Stokes inside, given his speed and you let Jair have his Island most of the time. I do think that it's something that he would probably be more open to in the Joe Barry defense. And I think that it's something that could kind of pay dividends when you finally have some speed and some physicality in that middle of the defense with, you know, no knock on Chris Barnes or Kamal Martin, but they're not necessarily speedsters. 
So moving toward Jimmy, the, the other guys, if you will, let's focus off of Alexander. Who's somebody else that you could envision? Obviously, Shannon Sullivan is the holdover in that role, but could you see him getting displaced or is he the odds on favorite to be you know, one of the key contributors or starters, if you will, in that position? I think right now it's his position to lose just because last year he played a lot. Uh, he played a lot inside. He was a starter going into there. But one of the things we know about Matt LaFleur, uh, and he was heavy into hiring the defensive coordinator, was and being heavy into the defense this year is it's a competition all the time. It doesn't matter if you were there last year. Every year is a new competition. So they're going to be looking for whoever to kind of fill that role and whoever's going to make an impact on the field is going to be there. But I do think it's Sullivan's position to, lo- to lose. I would love to see Darnell Savage there. He's just a freak athlete. We saw last year he just – that man makes plays. So – I'm excited to see them kind of switch stuff up to switch things up and just show a variety of packages to the, to the opposing offense to kind of keep them on their toes a little bit because you have Jair Jair Island. And then a couple of plays later, he's inside or Darnell's as a safety and comes up down and play star. Like I'm just really excited to see what Joe Barry's going to do. And I think we have a lot of versatility in the secondary as well. And who knows, maybe this is finally uh, what uh, Josh Jackson needs to make an impact with that second round uh, title on himself. I'm just, I'm just excited. I always, it's always hard changing from coordinators sometimes, but I, I just love to see uh, what, what new things come from it. Yeah. And it will be interesting to look in for those that are wondering about snap counts last year, Alexander uh, played every game except for one. Uh, He had 902 snaps last year. You have Shannon Sullivan uh, who played 731 snaps and Kevin King played 665. The next most defensive back snaps after that, from a cornerback standpoint, was Will Redmond at 342. So they do have an opportunity for some reps there. And Sullivan is one of those guys to me that if he's your dime back, you're in a really good situation, very similar to the way the Packers were in 2019 in their secondary when it was being roamed by Alexander, Kevin King, and Tremont Williams with Sullivan playing that dime back role. He's not as – what happens is the last thing we see is what is so imprinted in our mind. So the last thing we think of is, oh, Kevin King and Shannon Sullivan are both bad players. And they're not bad players. Sullivan had some rough spots. That's going to be the case. I mean, you don't have 11 studs at every position. That's not to say you shouldn't try and find them. That's why the Packers drafted somebody like Shamar Jean Charles. And that's somebody who, when Barry was talking today about how you know the guy who plays that role needs to be in his run fits and stuff like that, the physicality that he brings to the team, I think is something where I honestly wouldn't be – if you tell me at the end of the season that – and I'll ask you guys this too. If you tell me at the end of the season, Shamar Jean Charles played more snaps on defense than Eric Stokes. Scale of 1 to 10, Maggie, how exci- or excited, uh, surprised are you? I'm surprised just because I think that he'll kind of be competing more with like the Chandon Sullivans and the Kadar Holmans and the Josh Jacksons. So, I mean, I think he can win out in that group, but I think Eric Stokes is going to get more looks. So I guess on a scale of surprised, I'd be like a seven or eight. Okay. Jimmy. Yeah. Kind of the same thing. I think Eric Stokes, especially being a first round pick, um, there's a little more pressure to play that, to play them. Um, even when Joe Thomas came on Barty's bar, he talked about, um, what was it? Joe Gilbert, maybe for the Browns. May you'll be able Justin to. Justin Gilbert. Yeah. yeah. Justin Gilbert for the Browns. Like he was getting a lot of snaps and he wasn't that good, but it was just because he was a first round pick. And I'm not saying that about Eric Stokes, but there's a little more pressure to play those guys. And so I would definitely be surprised if um, he had more snaps than him. 
I would be surprised, but it's more on the three to four side of things just because Stokes, King, those are guys who play on the outside. And Alexander, you're going to play him on the boundary more often than not. I just think the path, the lane, if you will, for playing time is a little bit more clear for someone like Gene Charles. And with the way they talk about that you know, star position, it just gets interesting. I'll be interested to see what they do. And the Packers have done some things in recent years with their defensive backs that have had me surprised, scratch my head, whatever you want to call it. You know, and a good example of that, I think, is when they had Josh Jackson playing slot corner when he came out in the NFL. That was something that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but that is what they believed. So that'll just be an interesting thing to follow, uh, that star position as a whole, things that they went through. Um, the other thing that I got from the press conference today is that Mike Smith is an insane person, and I love him. Um, he starts the show off by saying he had a tooth knocked out, basically, and then goes through a bunch of different things on why he sounds funny, and he might have a fake Instagram account now because that's how he's going to motivate Zadarius Smith. So if you see something basically saying Z sucks, that's your first thought that you can kind of have. I just I thought that was interesting. Uh, the other bit of news before we get to our little game, if you will, or our topic for the day is uh, the Packers restructured the contract of Dean Lowry, added a couple void years at the back end of that contract, saved a little bit against the salary cap. Jimmy, this was a guy who a lot of people were pining for to be cut, maybe thought he would be a post-June 1 cut uh, after the draft happened, but he hasn't been, and now he's on the roster. So what are your just thoughts overall on that move and keeping him in the fold for at least one more season? Yeah, this reminds me a lot of Lane Taylor from last year. Everyone kind of thought he was going to be a roster cut because of his contract, um, but he restructured it going into the, going into the or during the offseason. And I'm, it's, I'm not surprised. I think it was kind of one of the save his roster spot moves. He knew he was probably likely on the outs, and it's nice to just kind of have some depth to that defensive line. Uh, Dean Lowry doesn't do anything spectacular, but he is a solid role player. Um, and having him there with to help with Kingsley Kiki, hopefully Kenny Clark stays healthy all season. Uh, we have our rookie, Tyler Lancaster. So there should be some nice depth to that defensive line. I think we're still missing some pieces, but um, it's always nice to see people kind of take those, like I said, like Lane Taylor last year, keep those, make those deals to be able to stick around with the team a little bit longer. Yeah, it always makes me chuckle a little bit of, oh, cut this guy. It's like, well, there's snaps you have to replace. Like, I think we view we view too many people as like just salaries and we don't view them as players and what they do on the field. And as far as defensive linemen uh, on the end, Dean Lowry led the team in snaps last year. He had 602 snaps last year. He actually, that includes over Kenny Clark. Now Clark missed three games, so that certainly helped Lowry's cause, but he led the team in snaps last year. You could certainly say that that speaks to what you may feel about the Packers defensive line group, but that's 600 snaps you have to replace. And they can't just say, okay, well, we drafted TJ Slayton in the fifth round and throw him out there for 600 snaps. He's a rookie. He's probably not going to be very good as a rookie. That's just the nature of that game, and especially at that position. Rookie defensive tackles are typically not very good. So One of the – Sorry to cut you off and say one of the nice things too with Dean Lowry is like he had all those snaps and I was looking at PFF today just kind of look more um, honestly just to kind of refresh my memory and he had zero missed tackles last year um, which is something for our defense when we were it seemed like every game we had about a thousand missed tackles he's one of the players that at least is a little more uh, of a sure tackler and I know maybe he's not making the complete spectacular plays but when he has those opportunities he wasn't he wasn't missing them so. That's, that would be hard to replace, especially when someone, like you said, is playing 600 snaps. 
Yeah, Steady Eddie. I think that's a good way to – that's how Brian Gutekunst described him when they had that. Uh, he's probably a replacement-level player, but having replacement-level players along your defensive line is a good thing. So, Maggie, what are your thoughts on Lowry? Is that somebody who – he's probably not going to lead the team in snaps again. You know, you imagine a jump from Kingsley Kiki. You imagine some other stuff. But what are your thoughts on, on Lowry just being back in the fold? Yeah, it's like you said, I think it's a numbers game. And, you know, the Packers obviously wanted help along the defensive line, but the type of help that the Packers are thinking they're getting from TJ Slayton is not the kind of help that Dean Lowry provides. He's not necessarily that run stuffer. So whether it's him and Kenny on the edge and TJ's in the middle, whether Tyler Lancaster's in the middle, if it's Kenny Clark and Kingsley Kiki off the edge, you know, in a 3-4, however Joe Barry wants to play them. Dean gives them options. So to me, it made a lot more sense for them to do a restructure because we saw, you know, you're one injury away from a lack of depth there. It's like you always say with the edge rushers too, you know, you don't want to cut somebody like Preston Smith because if God forbid Z or Rashawn gets hurt, your cupboard is starting to look bare. So I think Dean Lowry, you know, just gives you some of that insurance, whether it's Kenny Clark, you know, if something happens to him, we've seen him get injured before. If it's Kingsley Kiki, you know, you need those guys who, know the defense or will know Joe Barry's defense and can take snaps. You know, he probably won't take 600 this year, but he's still going to play more than I think Packers fans maybe would expect him to. Yeah. And that's not a terrible thing. You know, I think we have, we have this weird way of looking at players that there's only like, there's two bowls that we can fit them into. They're awesome. They're elite. They're the goat and they're trash. That's it. And there is no discussion about like what's in the middle of that. Now, Again, is Dean Lowry a replacement-level player? Yes, that's definitely a thing. Is he so bad that having him on the field or having him on the team is hindering them from doing something? No, the team – like, the Packers didn't lose last year in the NFC Championship game because Dean Lowry was one of their preferred defensive linemen. Could they be better there? Certainly. But it's not a terrible spot. For them to be in and you need bodies that's a position where it's a war of attrition you know kenny clark is awesome he misses time it feels like every year you know, tyler lancaster he's had some things where he's been banged up and kingsley kiki last year he's coming off of a a really scary concussion and he talked about that a little bit recently and i believe it was the press gazette um just kind of going through what that thought and everything was like so you need guys in the middle you need those bodies and the ability to kind of rotate them through a little bit could they have more quality? Sure. Did I wish they do? I wish they did. Yeah. But again, the $4 million or whatever it would have turned out to be to save by cutting Dean Lowry is not worth replacing the production that they have. So that's kind of the thought on that. Let's move into our second topic of, of today. And we're going to talk a little, a couple people and it's progression or regression with football on the field. You kind of start thinking about a little bit of, who are those guys that are going to be the ones taking the leap? Who are the guys that need to have a bounce back kind of year? Who's a guy that maybe played above his head last year and you're kind of worried about, does he fall back to earth, so to speak? Now, for the sake of this discussion, I know we mentioned this is a show and a at least a particular group. We're not going to talk about one specific player, but we are going to assume that that specific player is the starting quarterback. So just for that thought process as we go through this, that's what we're assuming is Aaron Rodgers is lined up under center. So let's start on his side of the ball, the offensive side of the ball, progression or regression. And I think maybe the most interesting case because of what we were talking about pre-show, Maggie, is Marquez Valdez Scantling. So what are your thoughts on him for the 2021 season? 
Yeah, I mean, to me, he's like one of the enigmas of this offense solely because, you know, like we talked about pre-show, he obviously led the league in uh, yards per reception with 20.9. He ended up finishing second on the team overall in yards right behind Devontae Adams with 690, had three touchdowns. So to me, it or six touchdowns, excuse me. So to me, like he is going into this season as wide receiver too. I don't necessarily see Alan Lazard, you know, coming in in that role at wide receiver too, even though they kind of play different or are serviceably different for the offense. I know Amari Rogers will get his looks, but I don't think he'll necessarily be competing for snaps with MVS. It might be some of the other guys on the depth chart. So to me, I think we'll see a higher catch percentage from MVS in 2021, 52.4% for him there. I think that improves, you know, I think his hands improve. Um, 690 yards is kind of a lot for him if we think about him potentially slipping to a wide receiver three spot throughout the season. So I'm going to say that, you know, what you want from him improves as far as like number of receptions, catch percentage, but I'm not sure that the yardage is a progression. I think the yardage maybe hovers closer to 500. 500 will be interesting. And Jimmy, what we were talking about is Marcos Valdez-Scantling led the NFL, the entire National Football League, in yards per reception last season. So let's say he has, instead of the 33 catches, and he was the receiver with the second most receptions on the team last year, receiver. Now, obviously, that means Robert Tunyon and Aaron Jones are disqualified from this discussion. But he and Lazard actually tied with 33 receptions. So they were tied for second on that. So if he has let's say 50 catches, but his yards per reception goes down to like 16 or 17 and he has maybe another touchdown or one or less either way. Um, Is that considered a progression or, you know, what are your thoughts on how do we get Valdez Scantling into that progression category instead of him regressing, which I think would look a little obvious. I think the biggest thing is just his catch percentage, because even though he, he had, 600 plus yards and those six touchdowns like he left quite a few on the field we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, so I think the biggest way is even on those deep balls, like there's some that he, there's some that he missed. So the biggest progression he can make is that catch percentage. And I think, I think he's going to, obviously we hope he does. He made an improvement from 2019 to 2020 um, by almost like six, 7%. So um, obviously Rogers is confident in him. He keeps going to him. Um, I think 
I want to say he's going to pro I want to say he's going to progress. Obviously we want to say every player is going to progress. That's just the fan in us. Um, but there's part of me that thinks that I don't, I don't think he's going to put up the same numbers he did from last year. Part of it too was Alan Lazard missed a chunk of the season last year. Devontae Adams missed a chunk of the season last year. And I think with those guys healthy, he's just going to see less of an opportunity than he did this past season, but he also brings something to the table that no other wide receiver does. So he is a tricky one, but I'm going to go with uh, regression for MBS. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. I'm going to go progression and it may not be something that shows up in all those numbers. You guys talked about the catch percentage and, you know, he had six touchdowns last year and I could think of at least two that he dropped and I'm not bagging on him for dropping it. It's just, I could think of those plays and he has that he's the home run hitter on this team. He's the guy who, if we're going deep, that's who we're trying to find down the field. You know, that's, that's your deep threat. And they haven't had a guy like that since, Jordy Nelson in his prime. Now, those are two completely different players. Jordy could do a lot more on the field than Valdez Scantling has shown to this point. But that's kind of their their thing here. So I think that it may not be – he may not average 21 yards a catch, which is basically what he had last year. But I think he has a couple more touchdowns. He's a little more just consistent from down to down, which is where I think that progression comes into play. I'm going to link these next two together because I think they are kind of – hooked at the hip based on what your answer could be. And that's Robert Tunyon and Jay Sternberger. Sternberger came into the season last year. He was, we all kind of thought going to be the the starting tight end, had some issues with injuries and uh, he tested positive for COVID upon being at camp. So he missed some time that way. And Robert Tunyon just kind of took hold of the role. And what does Robert Tunyon do once he takes hold of the role? He doesn't relinquish it for one. He's the second leading receiver on the team, 52 catches, has 11 touchdowns, which ties the franchise record. So he had a pretty good year, to say the very least. Sternberger, uh, not as much. Um, kind of struggled through his second season, had some issues. He had 12 catches. He did score one touchdown. I had some nice moments, but just not that consistency that you'd like to see on a down-to-down basis. But that being said, my answer for this is a regression for Robert Tunyon, but I believe because of a progression for Jay Sternberger, somebody that I think becomes more consistent from down-to-down. He knows what he's doing. If he can just be in camp and be healthy, I think that would just pay such huge dividends for him just to be able to stay on the field and prove that reliability. Uh, you know, having talked to him a couple different times, you can hear the want to. It's not a matter of inability or lack of desire. It's just kind of been some rotten luck. I think that luck changes this year. I think Matt LaFleur is somebody, this is a guy who can play in his offense that will be really good. 
Um, and it fits really well on that side of things. He can run. He makes plays after the ball's in his hands. He does have that ability. Tunyon, I think he's a good player, uh, and he's playing on a contract season, so that obviously has some extra motivations for a lot of different people um, for, for obvious reasons. And I think that that being said, you know, it's just really hard for him to replicate just how efficient he was last year. I don't think he had a drop last year, not one drop. And he caught 52 of 59 targets. I mean, that's just absolutely crazy. And Rogers passer rating when targeting him was through the roof. It was incredible. He had a great season. That's just something that's hard to replicate. So I think he regresses, but is still a very useful player for the team. So Maggie, again, let's link those two guys together. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because not to say that Robert Tunyon wasn't like a household name last season because he maybe could have been towards the end of the season, but he really wasn't, you know, like outside of people discovering that he trained with George Kittle. It was kind of like, who is this tight end that's emerging for the Packers? So it's not to say that defensive coordinators are going to like hone in on him in 2021, but I do think that he'll be somebody that you know, people play a little bit or pay a little bit more attention to. And I think for Jace, kind of the flip side of all this is, you know, yes, he was getting healthy towards the end of the season, but he was kind of a healthy scratch because, you know, Dominique Daphne was coming in. There's Mercedes Lewis is going to take his snaps, even though, you know, he plays kind of a different role on the offense. Josiah DeGuara getting healthy will take some tight end snaps, even though, again, we think he'll be in a different role than Jay Sternberger would be. So it kind of feels like a, like the main competition as far as like a pass-catching, big-bodied tight end who can stretch the field it will be between Jay Sternberger and Robert Tunyon. And, you know, ideally you have them both on the field at the same time in, you know, let's run some, you know, 22 personnel, let's get weird. And I, I think that'd be really fun for Matt LaFleur. But, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as far as, Robert Tunyon I don't know if he'll be able to replicate what he had in 2020 but to me that's not necessarily a regression you know I think his role will be the same and he'll still be a security blanket for Rodgers and we're hoping of course that Jay Sternberger can be another option but I think that's one of the things that we're missing from him is just the connection that he has to QB1 so you know I think we have to see that from from Josiah Deguera too is just you know these guys getting on the same page. Cause I think right now in the locker room, there's a, there's a connection with Rogers, obviously to big dog. And then there's a lot of trust in Tunyon as well. And deservedly. So, you know, I mean, I know I'm going out on a, on a bit of a limb here, but I just, the comparison I made to somebody the other night was that I think in 2019, so Matt LaFleur's first season, we were all talking about MVS, the breakout player emerges as wide receiver too. And then by the end of the year, we're having the conversation about how that was like the most disappointing player of 2019. I think that's Jace for 2021. I think he's the guy who we were talking about as, you know, Brian Gutekunst said they view him as a matchup problem, a guy they can use all over. I think Eli Berkovitz probably made 600 videos about Jace Hunter, Jace scoring a touchdown in the NFC championship game, just a bunch of different stuff. And then it just didn't come to fruition last season for, you know, the reasons that we mentioned. And I think your comment about the tight end room is interesting because you have, you really do, you have to set it into, two different roles because Dominique Daphne is not going to play line of scrimmage tight end a lot. And the same goes for Josiah DeGuara. So you're talking about traditional tight ends, uh, guys like Tunyon and Sternberger, a spare offensive tackle, which is basically what Mercedes Lewis is. And of course, H backs uh, guys that can play in the backfield. That would be DeGuara and Daphne. So I think that's interesting, but link those two guys together for me, Jimmy Christensen. What do you got for me here? Yeah. Uh, to start with Tunyon, I, 
like Maggie said, it's hard for it's going to be hard for him to re- replicate what he did last season. And it's not necessarily just aggression, more or less just coming down to earth. He had he tied a franchise record of 11 touchdowns and half of them somehow. I don't know how, but it seemed like those touchdowns were just always wide open. Like, that's the thing that I didn't understand with Tony was that I felt like no one was in like five yards of him. And I just don't think that's going to be the same case for this coming season. I think he's still going to be going in. I think he's still going to be tight end number one. Uh, I think he's still going to be a big part of the offense, but I guess do a slight slight regression for Tunyon just because I don't think he can replicate those same numbers. And with Jace, if he's healthy and shows why the Packers use a third round draft pick on him, I think he can do a lot of things for this offense. Like you said, he can do some things after he gets the ball. He's hard to bring down once he's, once he gets it. I keep thinking of that, um, that highlight of him at, uh, Texas A&M where he like dragged like four players for a long game. Like the man's hard to bring down. He can make some big plays. I, I still have high hopes for Jay Sternberg. And I think, I think this season's the one we're going to, we're going to see it from him as long as that man can stay healthy and maybe you can send him some biscuits and gravy. Maybe that's a secret, but let's, uh, let's hope that happens. Jace's country ass would love that. So <laughs> yeah. I just actually, that's funny. You bring that up. That's actually what I had for dinner tonight. So I'm feeling pretty good after going through that. So I didn't, and I didn't even tell you that. So that's interesting. Uh, We're on, so we have that go. connection. That's right. Jace, if you're listening, still plenty of fans over on this side of things in your club. Let's go on defense because there is going to need to be some progression on that side of the ball. And again, I'm linking two guys together, but Jimmy, you wrote an article last year about how Preston Smith kind of was overshadowed and underrated. And then mm-hmm. frankly shows up to camp there's whispers about him being overweight, a little thicker than he was the previous year, which is just kind of a nice way of saying that. And then he puts up a bit of a dud of a season yep. to the point where everybody's like, oh, yeah, they can cut him. That's an easy cut to save cap room because he's just hasn't been that productive. Packers didn't do that. And he agreed to a pay cut. He's back in Green Bay and bet on himself to if he has a big season, he'll earn that money back. But Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary coming into this year, Rashawn was starting to start last season and the Packers can say that was a package thing or whatever, all they want that hadn't mattered in the previous 20 games that Rashawn Gary was on the roster. And the same goes for Kyler Fackrell. There was a message that was being sent to Preston of saying perform or get off the field. And Preston of course has a one and a half sacks and a touchdown the first night that they do something like that, but didn't have the same season. Uh, I think if you can find a middle ground between his 2019 season and his 2020 season, you have a really good player and a productive guy that can help keep that punch inside of the Packers pass rush. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. One of the things that you already hit on it too, with him coming into last season, he did look overweight. Uh, And I saw those pictures he posted yesterday, had one of them in, um, he was kind of doing a little promotion for body armor, but he was sitting on that, that bench. uh, And he looks like he came into camp in great shape this time. He looks a little bit, a little, little slimmer this time, just a freak athlete. I have, I have high hopes for him. I love when teams do incentive-based contracts like this, so heavy as they did for Preston right now for how he restructured it. Uh, like you said, he bet on himself, and that's sometimes money is the best motivator. As Pat McAfee says, who cares what motivates people? If it's to be a Hall of Famer, great. If it's just to get a big paycheck, great. As long as they're playing good football, who cares what their motivation is? And if sack numbers equals a bigger paycheck for Preston, I'm all for it. Um, I do have high hopes for him still. I think Rashawn Gary is going to continue having uh, playing more snaps and having that starting role during the season. I think he's earned that. Uh, but I do see Preston. He might not 
He might have similar numbers to last season, but I think he's just going to be more more efficient. Uh, we saw last year, especially in the beginning, he he was on the field a lot, but he wasn't really doing much. And like you said, he picked it up towards the end. But I'm hoping for a little a, a progression from Preston Smith and the fact that when he's on the field, he is making those impact plays, and then uh, he's earning uh, hopefully some earning some dollar dollar bills, y'all. Yeah, and they're going to need him to because I mean, frankly, we could talk. We talked so much about the defensive line early in the show here, but. Here's the reality, guys. Rashawn Gary, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, they're going to be on the field a lot. And they're going to be on the field a lot together. Um, and I think you're going to see a progression from both of them. Uh, I didn't. I think I kind of figured that out earlier, but I think Gary is somebody who was coming on. You could make an argument he was the team's best edge, edge defender by the end of the season. Uh, it was probably still Zadarius Smith, but there's a good discussion to be had about those two guys and the way that they were playing, especially you look at that Titans game. He's a one-man wrecking ball. Uh, The Rams game, he played really well there. Should have had a holding penalty drawn on a play that was a phantom pass interference call that you guys might remember from the NFC Championship game. There's just a lot to like, I think, about Gary. And just like you mentioned, some of that efficiency, I think, with Preston Smith. Maggie, I often let you go gaga over my daughter, but now let's talk about my son. (laughs) (laughs) Happy to do both. So I think, you know, the interesting part when you think about Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith is that their paths are kind of aligning at this point where, you know, Rashawn played 15 games, Preston played all 16, but he started 13. Gary got four starts, like you said, kind of that ignition for Preston to to kind of make some things happen. We know Rashawn Gary finished the season with more sacks than Preston. You know, he they tied in quarterback hits despite Preston playing a ton more snaps and Rashawn, like you said, just emerged in the playoffs. He was probably the best defender on the field in the playoffs, you know, whether you're putting him up against Z or Kenny Clark or whoever you want to on that interior, maybe outside of Jair Alexander, even though the safeties of course played really well also, but I think you want to see a healthy competition between those guys, because if they both are, better in 2021 that's just great for Joe Barry you know he lucks out and I think given kind of the unknowns that we still have along the defensive line I personally loved when Zadarius Smith was kind of that roaming nose and like standing over center you know whether they do that with him whether they let Rashawn do some of that you know if you get all three of those guys on the field at the same time that just improves the defense you know if you still have them with Kenny whether it's Kingsley that's in there TJ Slayton, if it's a running down, like I think that they just both give you options. And I do honestly think that both of their numbers will improve in 2021, which, you know, I don't know if that means that Z, you know, looks kind of human and has nine or 10 sacks. And then there's more to go around for Rashawn and Preston. But I, I could definitely see both of those guys getting into the six, seven, eight. Rashawn, honestly, even double digits um, as far as improvement going into what would be his third year. And Preston, you know, like Jimmy said, trying to earn some of those incentives back. And you mentioned having Z do that Rome thing. I certainly think that's something they can do. Uh, Rashawn Gary playing as a defensive tackle. There's some pretty good reps towards the end of the season of Gary doing some stuff like that. So that part is fun. You know, I think the Packers pass rush. It's not going to be as good as it was in 2019, but that 2019 pass rush was just ridiculously awesome. It was so much fun, but they regressed rather heavily last season. And thankfully the offense was as good as it was, because if it wasn't, then, you know, where would this Packers team have been if they were building their team around that pass rush the way that it was the season before. So that part gets fun. Can you find a middle ground? And I think they can. And we've talked about some ways to do that. Uh, the other guy that I want to talk about on the defensive side of the ball is, again, the the middle linebacker 
uh, is a, a bit of a hot button issue, but Chris Barnes and Maggie, we'll start with you there. They talked about him a little bit today. Um, Joe Barry did mention passing. Like, oh, Oren Burks and Ty Summers are playing there too. But I mean, it, it really does feel like it's Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin. Those are the guys that are going to be the odds on favorites to be starters. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, we even saw that towards the end of the season with Christian Kirksey kind of getting relegated to that will role on the defense. Like it was Chris Barnes defense. He just about led the team in tackles outside of Adrian Amos, obviously, who played 16 games, started 16 games. Chris Barnes only started 10 of those games and he still had 80 sacks or 80 sacks. That'd be amazing. 80 tackles. Um, He was even had five tackles for loss. So he was getting in the backfield. Like I think he, his arrow is pointing up. He's an ascending player. I think year two will be good for him. And the best part about it is that he was kind of an unknown commodity, right? Like we had this depth that inside linebacker with Ty Summers and Oren Burks. And, you know, yes, the Packers brought in Isaiah McDuffie, but when the season started week one last year and Chris Barnes was opposite Christian Kirksey kind of, you know, against the Vikings. I think that surprised a lot of people. So I think we'll see kind of like we did a tandem with the tight ends, Kamal Martin, his arrow is also pointing up, you know, these guys are both going to be healthy. They're getting a full off season program for the first time, not virtually to learn new defensive coordinator, Joe Barry's system. So I think that this is his position to, to lose, but like we talked about last episode with some of those free agents, also wouldn't be entirely surprising if the Packers brought in a vet, even if it's not necessarily to take snaps away from Chris Barnes, but to shore up kind of the supporting cast that he has around him. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, if you start looking at some of the things the Packers can do and in the middle of that defense, Chris Barnes is somebody they're just asking for replacement level play slightly above that. Chris Barnes can be something like that. You know, the unknown commodity thing is certainly something that that you're talking about. Um, when it comes to how the defense worked in the middle of the field last year, I remember watching the first game and seeing 51 lined up next to Kirksey. And we were just kind of like, who is that? You know, last year without training camp and a preseason stuff like that, you kind of lost the ability to catch on to some of those guys that were in camp. So that part was fun. That was interesting. Jimmy, you've had a chance to talk to Chris Barnes. So what, what are your yeah. thoughts on him going here into year two? Uh, I, I have a horrible habit of after I talk to a player, I buy buy a jersey so i spent way too much money but after i talked to chris barnes i bought a chris barnes jersey um the man was super cool but the one thing with him is he was an undrafted free agent and made the team in this offseason that it probably was the hardest for undrafted players to make mm-hmm. the team and like you said he went from someone on the practice squad to all suddenly on the first game of the season we're all looking and saying who is 50 number one like or number 51 um I, I think sky's the limit for him. Just He really got all the experience just jumping right in. And this is his f- first time, like you said, with Kamal Martin, having that full offseason, having OTAs. Uh, everything's not virtual this time, which is going to be great for him. Uh, just kind of – and now this time too, he's going to be leading that defense because at the at last season, this time of the year, it was Christian Kirksey. Now it's his spot to lose in my mind. So he's running with the first. He's the one making the play – or calling the plays – and we're going into the season with that being kind of prepped already. Um, so I'm definitely thinking of progression for him. I think he can really be a really good inside linebacker. I think him and Kamal Martin could pair up. I still can't get over how fast or how explosive Kamal Martin is. I think it was Matthew Stafford last year. I, or I think it was him. It was one of the uh, one of the teams he played. I was nervous for the other team's quarterback because I just saw Kamal Martin have a straight line for him. And that man is explosive and scary. So I think we do have some great potential, but – 
potential only gets you so far, but I'm hoping for some good uh, progression this year. Yeah, if they can get him to slow down just a little bit, just a tick, play with that speed, but slow down just a minute and make make those plays that he's kind of missing a little bit. But he is a fun player. He's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, less than 200 snaps last season, so I imagine an uptick in snaps for Kamal Martin this year. Uh, Chris Barnes obviously had some pretty big highs and some smaller valleys. You expect that from a rookie. So I'll be interested to see that battle when training camp starts, which the NFL sent a memo today or yesterday, I believe that uh, teams can expect fans at training camp. Uh, State and local guidelines obviously apply, but that's an exciting thing as we start to continuously return to normal here. And that's going to do it. Speaking of normal, we're at the end of our show here today. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. You can follow me. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. You can find Jimmy. You can find me on Twitter at Jimmy underscore C08. Uh, and if you are listening to this on a Thursday, which when it comes out, remember the Friends reunion episode is on HBO Max tonight. So make sure you watch that. Do you work for them? Like, did you just? No, I'm just so excited. No, I'm just so oh. excited for it. I just want to remind everyone. Okay, that's. I just wanted to know if we were getting ad money for that, and if so, I kind of want a cut of it since I'm on the show. But okay, we're not getting ad money. This is not a, a disclaimer here. We we do not get paid by friends for Jimmy's pumping up there. So, uh, Maggie, what are you watching on TV on Thursday night? <laughs> <laughs> well, the Bucks are on, right? That should I be Game Three. So. so I know we don't get paid by them either, but I'll be watching the Bucks game, and then you can find me on Twitter at Maggie J Loney. I write for She Said TV and Perry Goldstein and I also co-host the Pax What She Said podcast. So feel free to check us out there as well at PWSS podcast on Twitter. And you completely buried the lead. Today's Thursday, which means you two are together starting tomorrow. Uh, no, I picked Perry up. Well, OK, we're recording this on Wednesday. I'm picking <laughs> Perry up from the airport Thursday at like 430 Lambo time. Okay. So then we'll be together here. Thursday to Monday. A reunion that we've all, there you go. That's the real reunion that we wanted. It's not really a reunion though, I guess, because you guys have never officially met. So that's all well and good. That's awesome. See that all put together. As far as TV goes, I guess uh, the Bucks don't pay for us, but if they would like to, uh, we certainly welcome donations from the Milwaukee Bucks in that case, as they're getting ready to finish off the Miami heat here. That's probably what I'll be watching as well. The Mavericks don't play till Friday night. Uh, God bless the Clippers for trying to duck the Lakers and now losing their first two games at home. It's quite funny. Thank you for that. Thank you guys for listening to the show. 365 days a year. When we come back next week, we will be talking about Julio Jones, the newest Green Bay Packers. See you guys then.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.